Hello and welcome to episode 111, 111, to the Thinking LSAT podcast. This is Ben Olson in Washington, D.C. With me is Nathan Fox in L.A. I'm in L.A. I'm super excited because uh, we got our hands on Prep Test 82, and uh, I just started working through it yesterday. For the Yesterday was my first day on the job because I was uh, on a little short family vacation so yesterday was my first day working with that test. What did you think of it? Uh, I haven't opened it up yet. I want oh. to just take it as a full test. So. Oh, right, right, right. I forgot that you do that. Well, I won't taint you then about all of the good stuff that's on the <laughs> test. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but I have I have plenty to say about it. So as soon as you've done it, we can uh, we can debrief. Yeah. No, I'll do it. I'll do it this week, and then we'll we can talk about it next week. That'll be good. Cool. Um. Well. There goes my introduction I was planning to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> How exciting. So you like it? Um, well, it was, uh, it was, as you've heard from your students, it was easy, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. for one thing. The games were very manageable. I thought the logical reasoning was really easy. Um, mm-hmm. The judicial candor, one of the questions bothered me, but I didn't think that the passages were impossible, and I, I actually mm-hmm. found it pretty interesting. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I don't I don't know why everybody was crying about that. I guess everyone was crying about that because everybody cries about every test, right? There's something to cry. There's about. something yeah. to cry about. Yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, yeah, prep test eighty two, slightly different, but actually no different from any other test. Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, so we got a lot of donations this uh, after this recent test, which was fun for us, of course. Um, We have to send thanks to Jordan, Calvin, Jamie, Aaron, Jonathan. Uh, I think almost every one of these individuals was saying something along the lines that they were giving us $10 over $170. Is that right? I think so. Maybe some of the people were like, I'll set a different target score and then then gave us $10 for every point over that. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think these definitely could be uh, a 172, 73, 174, another 174, and a 176. That's definitely mm-hmm. possible, especially on this test. I yeah. did have one former student who got a 180 on it. Um, mm-hmm. it, was, uh, it was doable. So, awesome. I'm very happy to get the donations. And uh, it's the thank you that means more than anything else. You know, I, Just the fact that you're willing to make that gesture is really awesome. So, yeah. Thanks, yeah, uh, no, everybody. And, yeah. uh, and also just thanks for listening anyway. I mean, we get such nice emails, and it's always really great to hear from the listeners. So um, thanks for uh, the support. We yeah. only do it for you. And the reviews, too. I noticed that those are going up as well. I don't always um, – people don't always write out reviews, but you can see the numbers going up, which is kind of cool. It's like, wow, people really are – engaged or listening you know so that's cool yeah no it's it's great it's like a community it's it's fun um i guess we should shout out that subscription page if you'd like to get an email every time we post a show uh you can go to thinkinglsat.com slash blog slash subscribe and we also got to pitch our classes if you would like to take a free online class from ben olson you should go to strategyprep.com slash free if you would like to take a free online class from Nathan Fox, you should go to foxlsat.com slash free. And uh, I don't know why people wouldn't do both of those. 
uh, they don't cost anything, and you get to check out uh, my style, check out Ben's style, and then, of course, if you uh, find that one of those is resonating, you could uh, go ahead and sign up for the real deal. But people on a budget, it's kind of funny. I hear from people on a budget, they email me asking for help. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, well, do this free class and do this other free class, and then they sometimes don't do it. Yeah. And then I question their uh, lawyerliness. Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think it should be a word if it's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like if you're really trying to do all you can to make the most progress you can make, just because it's free doesn't mean it's not helpful. I mean, the podcast is free, right? So. The podcast is free. Those online classes are free. We we each have a bunch of uh, free resources on our website, foxlsat.com and strategyprep.com. So there is a lot there that you can do uh, on your own. And uh, I mean, there's ways you can pay us too, but there's we, we're trying to give away as much as we can while uh, you know still making a living. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get into this. Uh, you have anything? Any more preliminaries? No, no. Okay. I wanted to get I was into you this could email. Read the intro to this email. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, I just wanted to. Well, I specifically. This is a, a student of mine from San Francisco uh, a few months back, and I wanted to share this because it's just a quick look into what type of shit our listeners are getting themselves into when they study for the LSAT and think about law school and a legal career. Okay, mm-hmm. this is the type of killer that you are competing with. The email says, Dear Nathan, it's been a while since I last wrote you. I took your July 2017 LSAT class in San Francisco. I know it's been some time, so I understand if maybe you've forgotten me. Still, I had a quick question I was hoping you might be able to answer, if you have time. I just received my score and was hoping you might be able to provide some insight as to where slash how I should apply. I have a vague idea of what schools might be reachable for me, but I'm not too sure of where I might stand as a candidate. Notice that semicolon, Ben? Mm Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Yeah, it's nice. I was very lucky this past September and was able to score a 180 on the LSAT. (laughs) Okay. That's not luck, folks. You don't get a 180 from luck. I mean, maybe luck plays into it, but, um, you know, that's, that's not luck. That's 90... 8% skill and maybe a little lucky on a couple 50 fifties or something like that. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) She continues. I am relieved with the score, but a little concerned over my GPA, which comes from a school that I'm not sure is very competitive. (laughs) Parentheses. It's a 3.96 from UC San Diego. (laughs) Yeah. Those 0.04 GPA points. That one a minus. Yeah. In four years of college. You're pretty much effed. Yeah. She says, I understand it's not a bad GPA, but I don't think it means very much when the school is taken into account. That being said, do you think it would make sense for me to apply to the top three uh, schools with my numbers? (laughs) Thank you, as (laughs) always, for your input and support. Semicolon. I know that whatever I don't owe to luck, I owe you for my most recent LSAT performance, exclamation point. Best, and this is a pseudonym, uh, we're going to call her Fiesta. But uh, I just, it struck me, like, that, you know, this is, 
this is a 180 and a 3.96 from a UC. Now, okay, yeah. it's not UC Berkeley or UCLA, but yeah. UC San Diego is a plenty fine school. And it's a 3.96, which is, you know, in the stratosphere. Mm-hmm. And a 180 on the LSAT. And she's not sure whether she would be an you know pro- appropriate possible candidate for Harvard, Stanford, and Yale. Yeah. What she needs, <laughs> what she needs to be worrying about is what she writes in her personal statement, because that's it's like you you really, it these schools are hers to lose, not hers to, like she's gonna get into them, right? It's like, what are you gonna do to mess up your application now that you've got everything? squared away in yeah. terms of your numbers. She sent me, um, I, all, all of our listeners are going to hate this person. I, I know, I know how people are going to react to the story, which is they hate her. Um, but she's super, super humble and she's just super nice. And yeah. she's obviously super smart. She's incredibly hardworking. Um, she deserves to get into Harvard, Stanford, Yale. And it's amazing how humble someone like this can be. Um, mm-hmm. as I don't think it's fake at all. I think she really does, it's part of the reason why she's able to achieve these things is that she doesn't, uh, you know, have this bloated (laughs) self-esteem, you know? Um, and she did, she did, uh, share with me her personal statement. She was, you know, of course, calling it a super rough draft and (laughs) it was like beautiful. I I don't think I saw a typo in it. Yeah, and it was like her first draft, and it was perfect. I mean, it wasn't her first draft. Maybe it she wasn't wrote her it. First draft. That's, yeah. Well, she but she's calling it her first draft. There's no such thing as right. She it, this is yeah. the first one that she got to the point where she would share it. Yeah. And and she thought about it. And, you know, I mean, it might have only taken her a few hours, really, because mm-hmm. she's obviously very talented and she can edit. And but you know, she went through it five times before she sent it to me. Yeah. And my response was. <laughs> I didn't love the topic. I, the writing was beautiful, but I didn't love the topic. So I actually mm. said, hey, I'd like to see what would happen if you wrote an, an, another one on an entirely different topic. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that would be overwhelming to a different student, right? I never would even ask somebody to do that. If yeah. they were coming to me with a 160 and a 3.3, I would be like, I, I don't think I would ask that question because it, it's like it would seem to be to them, it would seem too much work. Yeah. To write it a whole brand new, what? You're going to, I'm going to start over? What? Are you kidding me? And of course, uh, Fiesta, our friend here, she just was, you know, uh, humbled that I would even want to read another draft of yeah. her, of her personal statement and, hmm. um, asking me about a couple different ideas. And of course, you know, worried that she's does not going to be able to come up with interesting things to write about, but I'm absolutely sure that she's going to go away and do a, like another perfect rough first draft. Of, yeah. on a different topic and it's going to be awesome too. And, um, so <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what's the point. Why am I sharing all of this? Uh, I just, I guess I want to show people. Yeah. What they're up against. This is the yeah. type of shit that you're up against. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe you don't want to go to Harvard, Stanford and Yale because maybe you don't want to have to compete with someone <laughs> like this. Yeah. Yeah. No, there is value in going to a school that maybe is a – well, if it's not a reach school for you, then hopefully you're getting money there and then you're 
doing well in class as opposed to doing poorly. I mean, actually going back to this GPA thing, right? She got a 3.96 from US uh, San Diego or UC San Diego. And um, she's looking at that as a negative thing because she doesn't view her school as being that competitive. And although, of course, the school is taken into account, at the end of the day, what they're worried about or they're interested in is how well did you do with the cards that you were dealt? And she did extraordinarily well right. at this school. And so it's like how much you, how much better can you do? And if you had gone to a better school, maybe you would have done just as well. I mean when you're getting scores that are these this awesome or you know your grades that are this great, then it seems like you could have done – just as well at a more competitive school. And so my point here is that I think for a lot of people, it's better to go to a, a lower-ranked law school, do really well, and then come out of there and go to apply for jobs and say, look, this is how well I did in school, as opposed to going to a, a better school but then being in the middle or bottom of the pack and having sc- or you know potential employers saying, uh, yeah, you I mean, don't seem to be able to compete with your colleagues. Therefore, we're not going to hire you, even if you're at a better school. That doesn't matter. Yeah, that might not apply at literally Harvard, Stanford, Yale, right? Sure, sure. But, but it's going to apply at Georgetown. It's going to apply absolutely. at like, yeah. top fifteen, top even top ten schools. I think yeah. it's going to start to matter. Georgetown is not Stanford Law School. Mm-hmm. Georgetown is not Harvard Law School or Yale. I mean, it's it's great, but there are plenty of people who go to Georgetown and don't end up, you know, practicing law or don't end up getting the dream job they want. Yeah, I think Stanford maybe that doesn't happen. I think you can go to Stanford, be the bottom of the class, and it doesn't really matter. I wonder though. Like, I mean, I'm not an employment expert by any means, but like, what is what is the GPA for the bottom of the class at Stanford, and what does that say to? <laughs> Well, they don't even give grades. First of all, they they give like um, it's. Oh, basic. really? I didn't even know that. No, it's. I forget. My friend who's there now was telling me about her one L year. She also was saying that it was like the most stressful experience of her entire life. Um, that they don't give grades. Well, what do they? No, do? No, they give like pass or a, like extra pass. Oh, okay. It's like pass just- or gold star pass, you know. And then everybody just fights over the gold stars. <laughs> but but it's I, I'm pretty sure that like big law will hire everybody at Stanford Law School as long as you pass. Yeah, you just make it, and everybody I'm sure everybody makes it. I mean, there's probably a few washouts, but that's just going to be changing priorities and deciding you don't want to hmm. do it. Wait, which other schools uh, don't give grades? That I do not know, but I know Stanford does not. Hmm. Interesting. And I'm guessing maybe Yale, maybe Harvard, and I, I've heard stories of people being literally last in their class at schools like that and getting pretty impressive jobs. Mm. So I think at that, at those heights, I think, yeah, it, you, you could be set. But like a school like UCLA, um, remember we had that one episode where we were looking at the like placement, the placement statistics. Mm. What mm-hmm. is that website again? I can't remember what it was, but there's, uh, yeah, there's, I remember. there's that like big law ratio number that is fairly public information that you can find. Mm-hmm. And I want to mm-hmm. say UCLA which is, you know, 15th in the country or something like that. Yeah. Um, UCLA was, I want to say it was like 75% or maybe even lower, 66% or something placement Mm -hmm. in um, sort of federal clerkships or big law. Yeah. And so, yeah, that means a third of the class, even at a school like UCLA, it's just not 
a guarantee. There's going to be a third of the class there that wouldn't have the opportunity to work in big law if they wanted to. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, right. So do you want to go fight it out with people like this, like our correspondent here, or do you want to go somewhere maybe a little lower ranked, uh, but with a good regional reputation, get yourself a nice scholarship and, you know, then fight it out with a, 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 a very impressive still, right? Your colleagues are going to be impressive. Mm-hmm. They're just not going to quite be like this. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to be addicted to school. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to have gotten literally a 180 on the LSAT. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, uh, thanks everybody, uh, audience, for indulging me in that. I just wanted to share. I can't. Yeah. I'm, I'm always in awe of <laughs> the badasses. You know, are really, really badass. It's it's, it's amazing. We work yeah, with smart like people that. every day, but like the really smart ones are just frightening. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that, that person from China, I think last time, right? That yeah, exactly. Yeah. Crazy amount. Anyways, um, this next email is from Grant. I hope he doesn't mind us using his name. He says, Ben and Nathan, I consider myself somewhat of a podcast aficionado. I'm not very good at pronouncing that word. Is that right? Aficionado? Yeah. Sure. I think you did fine. Oh, okay. And yours is great. Whoa, thanks. Um, I even started drinking gin, gimlets. Gimlet. Because of the uh, – Gimlet? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's my alcohol uh, um, ignorance showing through. Um, are those good? It's a delicious drink, yes. It's basically gin and lime. So it's kind of like a margarita except for a gin instead. Gimlet. That's what it's called? Uh-huh. Because of the podcast company Gimlet Media. Nerdy, I know. I've also never rated a podcast before, not even This American Life, but I just gave you guys five stars. Oh, thanks, Grant. That's awesome. Thanks, Grant. I implemented many of your strategies into my prep over the past several months. I didn't feel the greatest after finishing the September test, but I just got my score back and received a 171. There are two concepts that I internalized and believe significantly helped. Do a little bit every day and do your best on each question. So simple, yet many people get caught up in the frenzy and fury of the whole process and end up worse off. Because of the Thinking LSAT podcast, I went into the test calm and relaxed. I think this little bit of added confidence kept me on track, even when I felt like things weren't going great during the test. Effing judges and their judicial candor. (laughs) All I can say is thank you. I also love the LR Encyclopedia, that is a book that Nathan wrote, by the way. You can get it on Amazon. Just search for LR Encyclopedia. It should be on everyone's prepped uh, materials list. Needs more love amongst the crazies on TLS. Also known as a place I never go. Yeah, I didn't know there was not enough love, but it does need more love if it does need it. Finally, if you had created an audiobook of just your discussions of the June 2007 LSAT questions, I would have bought it. I usually listened to the podcast while I was in the car or getting ready for work in the morning, so I didn't have the test in front of me. I think for someone to get the most out of the question-specific discussions, it needs to be their sole focus. Thanks again, guys, and keep up the awesome job. Yeah, we need to finish that test, don't we? Yeah, yeah. We have uh we haven't talked about a couple of the games and we have still some logical reasoning and 
I think maybe we only did one or two of the reading comprehension. So yeah, we could get back to that one of these days. But we have to clear yeah, out should. our email queue first, which is never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so Grant, you just asked us to do the impossible. Um, you know, I would I'd be curious too to see what we said so long ago. I mean, we started that like two years ago, three years ago, right at the very I beginning mean, of the podcast. So it was more than three years now. Yeah. Well, anyways, hopefully our advice was good back then too. Who knows? <laughs> if we do an audio book, I think it needs to be something other than just questions. I think we need we could do we could come up with some sort of an audio book one of these days. But mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's not. I think we got to move forward, Ben. Not look move back. forward. Yeah, new content instead of rehashing all those old explanations because that's what we were going to oh. do originally. Oh, you don't think we should do? Um, you don't think we should do uh, an audio book? Maybe we could do that at the end. Just like, here's all these questions. No, I, I mean, we, we should do an audio book on a totally different topic, not the June 2007 explanations like we were talking oh, about doing. okay. I think it'd be more interesting to do more like a an outline of LSAT concepts or something a little more um, like intentional instead of just randomly responding to all of those questions on the test. Anyway, yeah. we can talk yeah. about it. Or you could tell me about like your favorite drinks and I could... Just think about what they might taste like, and then that would be. I think people. Would I think love it would that. just fly off the shelf, don't you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So yeah, you want to take this next one? Uh, that was it, huh? Yeah. Thanks, Grant. Um, really appreciate it. One, I did not see a ten dollar donation come in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but congratulations on the one seventy one. Anyway, we'll take the review. Two, I don't like that you say you usually listened to the podcast while you were in the car, because that makes it sound as if you are not going to continue listening to the podcast after your LSAT, which I expect everyone does. Yeah, so, that's a good point. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Next time, we're not going to put this email right at the top. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next one. September updates. Hi, Nathan and Ben. If you happen to talk about this on the podcast, please don't use my name. Ooh, and the name is down there. Okay, we're going to have to change that. Uh, I'm going to try very hard not to write a wall of text. Please forgive me if I do. I tried to highlight the important parts. I took the LSAT in June and scored a 167. My main downfall was Logic Games. Retook in September. Got the same score. 167. It was heartbreaking. I put in so much effort, and I feel like I wasted months of time. The worst part is I didn't miss a single Logic Games question, and I did very well in both LR sections, but I somehow missed nine in Reading Comp. So my question is, of course, do I retake for a third time? This is the question that I'm sure you've been getting <laughs> uh, constantly around this time when the scores come out. We immediately start talking to people about whether they should retake. Yeah. The answer is almost always yes. I was scoring in the low mid-170s in my practice test. Yes. So retake it, obviously. Can you yeah. think of any way that – how? what is the rest of this email going to say that's going to convince me not – that you should not retake it? I can't imagine what it might the say. Only, the only thing would be like if uh, – I mean it's very hard to see. But sometimes people take tests multiple times and then you're like, hmm, I don't know what that oh. score means. Right. Right. But that's, okay. It, it, that's a good point but, then. Uh, other than that, and even then it's sort of like, well – you got them this time. If you're willing to go for it again, you figure do it, it out. Because... Yeah, it doesn't cost you anything. It's just, I mean, it costs you $180 and a Saturday. 
and it could potentially give you fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollars in scholarships. Uh, yeah, retake it. Mm-hmm. You're right, though, Ben. I mean, I I always see I always have too much. I'm like too much of an optimist. I think mm. because when people tell me that they score low to mid one seventies, I believe them. And I believe I always just immediately think, oh, well, so it was a brand new test. You've never seen it before. And you strictly timed yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know that that is a false assumption in many, many cases. Yeah. I mean. Especially when it's like, oh, I gave myself a couple more minutes. Oh, it's that's like, the oh worst. Oh, my gosh. That's like, the worst. They feel like they haven't done anything because it's only a couple more minutes. But those couple minutes are huge. Yeah. Or low to mid 170s and doesn't mention that it was untimed or yeah. um, low to mid 170s. And yeah, I have done that entire test before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's good. It's great that you got them right this time. And it's great. I guess. Yeah, it's great. You figured them out. But if you if it's not brand new and if you. It doesn't have that much predictive value if it's not a real say, trial. I mean, <laughs> it needs to be a new test, folks, and it, and you need mm-hmm. to strictly time yourself. Not not mm-hmm. thir- you do not get thirty more seconds. You you yeah. get exactly thirty five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Anyway, I know oh, you're standing. Sorry. Ooh, not yeah. to, sorry, not to pile on, but you also got to use a bubble sheet because that's going to add like a yes. minute and a half to your whole process. Yes, and, are surprised and by that. you're not allowed to use scratch paper. Yeah. You're not allowed to pause during the 35 minutes to go do to the bathroom or there's some distraction. So you pause it and then come back to it. You, yeah. No, that none of that stuff. Sorry. You, you have to be, y'all need to be more serious people than you are in many cases. <laughs> I hate to sound like a cranky old man on that, but I, I just, the, the longer I've done this, the more respect I have for people who really have the, the work ethic and the focus and, you know, that they're willing to make it actually a priority. Mm-hmm. So you have to really do it right. I, now, I, I will let you do one 35-minute section at a time. I don't really care if you do all the sections back to back to back to back. I, th- I think the predictive value is still is still the same there. I, I mean, I, guess I, think, I think it helps some people and it hurts some people to do mm-hmm. one section at a time. So I think it's basically a wash. And I'm, I don't want to let the perfect be the enemy of the good. So if you want to do 35-minute sections instead of doing a whole test, that's totally fine. But you do need to take those 35-minute sections very seriously. Okay. Yeah. Anyhow. Um, I know your standard advice is to retake if your practice tests indicate that you could do better. But I worry about applying later in the cycle, especially since I have a low GPA and cannot attend law school unless I receive scholarships. I love to hear that. Good. Do not pay for law school. That is our presumption. Mm -hmm. Is there that big of a difference between applying now with a 3.29 and a 167 and applying in January with a 3.35 and 170 plus since my GPA will also go up at the end of the semester? I mean, the GPA there is like more is kind of the icing on the cake. Yeah. But my recommendation only becomes stronger now that, yeah, you should definitely retake Hold off on applications. Don't worry about it. Apply in mm-hmm. January with better credentials. I mean, because a 172 is just is a dramatically better candidate than a 167. Yeah, even a 170. Three points? Yeah. That's a game changer. It's a huge three points. It passes you you pass up like hundreds, if not thousands, of other applicants. Oh yeah, for sure. Right? 167 yeah. to a 170 is gonna yeah, cover can... at least five or six percentile. Um, let's see. Yeah. 160. Yeah. But it's a, it's a few, it's a, it's a few 
percentiles. Oh, which that's is all it is. Three, three or four, I think. Oh, Let's okay. see here. But yeah, um, either way, if you imagine that there are a hundred thousand people taking it each year, yeah, I mean if, it's actually a pretty easy math there. So you're yeah, passing. Yeah, thousands of people. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Um, also, I'm terrified. I would just get the same score again in December, and I would look like I have poor judgment taking a test three times to perform the same each time. I do not think they give one shit about that. Yeah. Do you? If somebody gets 167, 167, and then they add on another 167, that doesn't look like poor judgment. That looks like you're fucking smart and diligent, hardworking, willing to keep trying, and you got a great score again. Yeah, but- <laughs> you just turn this into a persistence thing. You just yeah. say, hey, look, my <laughs> my practice scores suggested I could have done better, so I kept working at it. Yeah. Sh- what are you going to do? Sh- shame on me for not being brilliant the first time? Yeah. Everybody knows that persistence is way more important than Absolutely. sheer brilliance. Absolutely. Um, okay. Any advice you can give would be greatly appreciated appreciated your podcast helped me helped me remain sane through months of self-study and i can't thank you guys enough a loyal listener p.s oh well we're gonna miss this deadline the deadline to register for december outside is october 18th and this is show is not going to come out until like the 25th or something so if you could share your wisdom by then it would be much appreciated sorry we didn't get to it um, <laughs> but we did email, we, we did email though. So, okay. I mean, we emailed and said, no, retake more on the show, yeah. but it, it, this is an obvious retake. By the way, if you're ever up against a deadline for registering for the LSAT and you're on the fence, sign up for it because if, yeah. if you have to, you just cancel. She says like, she can't afford it. That's the problem. This oh. is a, another example of the rich getting richer. I mean, if you're middle class or higher, it's like a no-brainer to just register. You pay the 180 bucks, and whether or not you take it, who cares? It's like a $180 option to take it. Yeah. And when you're lower socioeconomic, whatever, you know, you're supporting yourself. And it's, it's she's on an LSAC fee waiver. And so she gets two... Free ones? Is that how that works? I don't know. Whatever. But oh yeah, oh, that's interesting. Is she there a cap on already. the number of free two. ones you get? Two, according mm. to this. Wow. Well, that's really interesting, isn't it? If you only get two f- free, f- or free. <laughs> sorry, if you only get two free LSATs, if you can only get two fee waivers, and yet they're letting people take the test as many times as they want, that's just one more, one more point for the rich. Oh, the rich get richer in a million different ways. I mean, I just uh, think I, yeah. I just I, I didn't know that. I didn't know about that cap. That's surprising to me. Well, I why mean, why is there a cap for that? Well, those same people, the, the LSAC would say, well, we can't afford to let everybody take it as many times as they want when they're on the fee waiver. We feel like we're being very generous by allowing these people to take it two times for free, and we, you know, provide them yeah, with these whole, other resources I, as well. Blah blah <laughs> they're blah. They're making so much money off this freaking test. I can't. I don't buy the argument. They don't have enough money to. If you qualify for a fee waiver, I think you should be able to take it as many times as anyone else. <laughs> and I, I, I am not the best advocate for like social programs, but this seems like 
one that I don't know. It just makes sense. Like if you're gonna ah, whatever, it just seems like <laughs> it seems it, I, it's all in the context of the stupid accommodations thing that we were talking about just a few minutes ago. I know we weren't doing talking about it on this show, but like there's so many ways that people benefit when it comes to the LSAT if you have money and if you yeah. don't. Yeah, we were just chatting about uh, episode 109 and um, uh, the. the information that we found out about LSAT accommodations and it, it's um, yeah, I've been thinking about it ever since we interviewed uh, Dr. Maloff. I've been thinking about the, I don't think he is to blame by any means, but he is a symptom of a system where, you know, it's just, it's the truth. If you are wealthy enough to pay $1,800 to get these uh, special, you know, recommendations, because he was talking about his what 60 page report and everything that he puts together. Yeah. And you, if you're wealthy and, and it basically sounded like no one that he ever writes that report for gets denied. Now that could mm-hmm. be because his expert judgment is so great that he never recommends anybody who you know doesn't deserve it or whatever. Yeah. But it could also be that when you pay $1,800 and have a 60 page report submitted to the LSAC, the LSAC just goes, ah, shit. Okay. We'll give it to you. Yeah. You know, and, and then meanwhile, there's just kids with the, without the wherewithal to even know that they could think about getting tested <laughs> and certainly without the resources to pay a doctor like that $1,800 to get the appropriate testing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do know other I mean, I know people with without a huge budget who have gotten accommodations as well. So it, it's more and more I'm just hearing everybody getting accommodations. Yeah. Um, I had another student who's already in the 160s tell me that she was excited. She didn't even think that she would you know qualify for it based on her diagnosis and um, she ended up getting granted 53 minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't think she was going to get it based on her diagnosis. That's really interesting. Yeah. I forget all the details, but it was like, I don't think she got extra time on the SAT and I, it was, it was from like an anxiety, I think it's like an anxiety thing from trauma early in life kind of a deal. Uh, so hmm. I, I, I don't know. I actually don't know. I think that, yeah. Oh yeah. Cause she got a private room too. Um, but anyway, and you know, she's not wealthy. Like it wasn't money that got it for her. So the system is not entirely fucked, mm-hmm. but it seems like it's at least partially fucked and gonna get more fucked as rich people realize that all they have to do is just apply for extra time, which I don't blame anyone for doing because that's the system. Yeah. That's the game. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Who cares? Just do good what? with it. Don't be evil. Don't be evil. Well, I'm serious. Like if you're going to go get these accommodations, you know, and you're going to step ahead in line of, for a lot of other people and you could, and, and again, there's people who totally deserve it, blah, blah, blah. But there's people who can also just pay $1,800 and have a, they have a marginal case and they're already scoring 170 and now they can get 53 minutes per section. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think that's happening, then, you know, that's, that's nonsense. Yeah, we need to get that data. Remember, that was one of the things we talked about on the episode, trying well, to figure out what the scores are for people with accommodations versus not. I wonder if that's available. Our listeners need to get us that data. We can only yes. do so much. We can only do so much. <laughs> <laughs> Please help us. But there's a lot of data on LSAC.org. So if anyone finds it, we would love to parse that apart and make plenty of speculations. Absolutely. We will, we'll, well, we will disseminate the data for one, which will be yeah. really useful. And then, yeah, we will um, endlessly speculate about what it means. Yeah. 
<laughs> you get what you pay for with this show. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, that's it. Obviously, retake. If you think you can get three points higher on the LSAT, definitely retake. Uh, next one? Sure. I what? think it's your turn to read. Yeah, it is my turn to read, but what's this thing in all caps? Did you write that? Yeah, because I got... I, I, I Okay, so this is going to be lengthy. Um, we If we have a fake name. But... And maybe we don't need to read this entire thing. I think we should call this person Wicked. Wicked. Because they used Wicked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay, so Wicked writes, thank you for answering one of my questions in an earlier episode. Uh, sure. I was asking about whether to apply to my safeties, targets, or targets, Wicked early in the cycle with my 170 from the June 2007 LSAT and save my hopefully better September score for my reaches. Okay. I've decided to wait and send in all of my applications until I get my September score back. I'm neurotic, so waiting will be hard, but you help keep me calm and rational. Mid-October really isn't that late. No, it's not that late. Um, This decision was made easier by the fact that I feel like I crushed the September LSAT. Two changes I made between June and September made a huge difference. One, I didn't get any test fatigue. I'm convinced that this is a function of simply simply being better at the test. Yeah. Also, because there's no need to listen to the instructions, I closed my eyes and pressed my palms together, like an idiot, to meditate when the proctor was reading. <laughs> I don't know if you're an idiot if you crushed the test. Sometimes I tell people to... Uh, like do jumping jacks during the break if they're getting like tired from sitting That's people are like no one. i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna look like an idiot i'm like who cares <laughs> yeah <laughs> if it helps you get a better score <laughs> yeah i was more calm and focused than i've ever felt on a practice exam and stayed fresh throughout the writing sample <laughs> that's great i do not wear a watch I did not wear a watch. This is the second thing that um, Wicked attributes to her success. In June, I'd convinced myself the watch was helpful. Now I feel like I've reached a new level of LSAT jiu-jitsu, where I ignore the time, trusting that I will feel when I've spent too much time on something. I did not look at the time at all and felt better than ever. I'm convinced going watchless will be the difference between my 170 and my new score, hopefully around 174. Well, the scores have come out, Wicked, so I hope you let us know what happened. I'm going to keep listening to the podcast because I like y'all as people, and I'm really interested in potentially taking the test again so I can become a qualified LSAT tutor. Lots of my friends are taking it in 2018, and I would love to test my chops as a tutor when with them and see if I can make it a real thing. Any quick tips about teaching the LSAT to others be, and, or becoming a tutor? Hmm. Uh, make sure you know your stuff. Yeah, just because you're good at the test doesn't mean that you can explain it to other people. Um, try it out. Try it out. It'd be good for your third attempt. I would start tutoring for free before that to help yourself. Well, the third attempt is down here later in the email. Oh, okay. We're 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 only halfway through this one, but um, yeah, check oh, it out. Oh, oh, this is an update. 
So yeah, we, we, we got an oh, update okay, here. Sweet. Sorry, I, I thought this was all the same email. Yeah. Thank you 1,000 times. Fake name. Fake name. Okay. Um, I love the idea of people becoming LSAT tutors. Uh, it is a wonderful life. Uh, it, I really, really enjoy it. I know other people would hate it, though. So if you don't really enjoy explaining the same thing a billion times, don't do it. Um, but I don't know. For me, especially because we get new tests three times a year, it stays fresh. It's it's always I I really enjoy it. So um, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, potentially consider working for one of the big companies for a little while because they'll just like do all of the setting up stuff for you. You know, put you in the classroom, feed you students. You won't make nearly as much money as doing it by yourself, but you also get some support and some free marketing and you don't have to, you know, cause there's all kinds of little hurdles that entrepreneurs like Ben and I have had to overcome. Um, just tiny little frustrations like, you know, processing credit cards and oh yeah. boy, all kinds of, th- what did <laughs> webs having a website? Yeah. Uh, getting a business phone number, business address, uh, whatever, you know, Ben, all the million little hurdles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God for all those little hurdles. Otherwise, everyone would do it. <laughs> Barrier to entry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, cool. So Wicked goes on. Just wanted to update on this email. Let you know I scored a 179. Yeah, yeah nice work. Yeah, good. Good. Are you glad you retook it? <laughs> this was, again, this was a 170 on record. Yeah. Not sure whether she should retake. Yeah. Uh, retake 179. Boom. Boom. That is called life changing. Yeah, that's cool. Especially with that 3.81. Yeah. She goes on, your podcast was the only tool I used other than prep test to gain nine points on my 170. You and Ben changed my life. I will be applying confidently with the 3.81 and a 179. (laughs) Notice our earlier letter. Yeah. Not applying confidently. With a 3.96 at a 180. <laughs> okay. So there's levels. There's just always levels. But, Everyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, go So ahead. she says, I look forward to listening for more negotiating advice and law school admission tips. I sent out 12 applications and night scores came out. Wow. She was ready. That's another thing, right? Like how many people wait for scores to come out and then get their right. applications ready? Yeah. This person had all 12 ready. Harvard, BU, BC, Georgetown, UVA, William & Mary, Columbia, NYU, Cornell, UPenn, Michigan, and Duke. I got fee waivers for 10 of these 12 schools. Sweet. Nice work. Yeah. I'm considering you Chicago Northwestern. Considering. Just do it. I totally, I'd totally leave the East Coast, but I'm not sure yet if it's worth the money to apply out in Chicago. Especially considering the cost of a visit. I'm also side-eyeing some California schools. I wasn't going to waste my money applying to Yale, but I just might do that now. Yeah, you should. Yeah, you should. Okay. I would apply to those schools. Man, we're talking about 100000 plus, 200000 plus, 300000 plus dollar investment. It, to me, just the price does not seem... I would just pay it and figure it out. What's the best? What's the best school for you? You know? Yeah. Well, you could also 
if you apply to Chicago and Northwestern, I mean, maybe you get a fee waiver and only have to pay the $30 exorbitant $30 LSAC fee yeah. for each of those. But um, even if you have to pay also their $100 application fee or whatever it is. Yeah. Like Ben says, it's we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars and your entire career. Mm-hmm. If you would leave the East Coast, why not broaden your net and see yeah. if you can get a really killer offer from Chicago and Northwestern? And I was and really if, surprised that there weren't – I mean, I can't believe that Stanford's not on the list. It's, I can't believe it either. Even if you have no intention of going there, the fact that you're applying to Harvard means you need to apply to Stanford to have leverage, right? Yeah. What if Harvard comes back to you with some meager scholarship and Stanford, which you have no intention of going to, comes back with a larger scholarship? Harvard doesn't need to know that. You say to them, hey – look, I'm going to have more money at Stanford and they're just as great of a school as you are. So see you later. And Harvard says, okay, fine, we'll match that. It's um, it's just negotiating. Yeah, that type of thing happens all the time. I mean, maybe not specifically Harvard versus Stanford, but it certainly happens at all these other schools on the list. Well, yeah, I'm just thinking Harvard, Stanford, Yale, they're in the same you know, right. echelon. So you they're they're the they're the other school that Harvard and Yale are going to look to and actually want to compete with. Right. Yeah. I man, give yourself more options. Also, you got all these freezing cold places on the list, and I just can't believe you wouldn't think about Stanford. <laughs> People oh haven't gosh. been to Palo Alto. They have yeah. no idea how nice it is. They really I grew don't. up there, and I you know <laughs> I want to go back. <laughs> it's so it's just so good compared to like having winter. It, there there is no winter, people <laughs> in Palo Alto. Winter does not exist. Mm-hmm. Oh, you could drive to the mountains and go skiing though. Lake Tahoe is just a very short drive away. So if you miss the snow, you can always go visit it. <laughs> you could just live in the sunshine for <laughs> three years. Um, okay. Anyway. So this uh, this email prompted me. I was probably drunk when I was reading it, and I uh, immediately responded and said, "Hey, this is super cool. I wonder, as an experiment for the show, would you uh, let us help you with your like negotiation process?" And uh, what are we calling? Wicked. Wicked. Wicked uh, responded positively enthusiastically to this plan. Okay. So if you're up for it, Ben, I propose that we have regular updates from Wicked on where, what schools bite, you know, what schools we, what schools we, the total final list of applications, which I hope is more because we need to get Stanford and Yale on the list. Yep. And I think you got to put UCLA on the list. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. We could think of maybe some more. And then when we, then we'll get like updates on what kinds of offers, and we can talk about how the negotiation should go down. What do you think about that? I think that'd be really interesting. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. Um, we'll have to be a little bit stealth about it because the schools might. Uh, <laughs> we've already given out the exact GPA and LSAT score, so <laughs> the schools might know if they're listening. But they're not listening. They don't give a shit about us. <laughs> Who cares? They don't care. No one. Yeah. They don't care. And anyway, if it, even if they do, so what? It's like they'll just know how much of a badass this person is going to be in negotiating, and they'll yeah. they'll up their offer right away because they'll they'll have to decide whether they really want this person or not. 
And with these numbers, they they should want this person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. They do. They do want this person. So my goal is to get this person, uh, Wicked, a full ride to one of these awesome schools. And hopefully we can share that whole process on the show. Yeah. Okay. Grandiose plans, as always, from the Thinking Elsa podcast. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to execute. Yeah. Thank you, Wicked. Um, <clears throat> next one? Yeah. Uh, I took the LSAT a third time uh, after a 164 and a 170 so far, and, haha, scored 170 again. Perfect games again, much improved logical reasoning, only minus 5. Shit the bed in reading comp, minus 6, after being only minus 2 in June. Unfortunately, I have come down with a sudden vision impairment called myopic macular degeneration in only one eye. And I'm beginning treatment for it soon. In my left eye, things look wavy and distorted. It's freaky. In hindsight, I feel I was moving more slowly that day in the dense, i.e. visually dense, long passages because it was rapidly developing, though I was unaware of it. (laughs) Can you imagine? This is crazy. You don't even know this is happening? You're like going blind on the LSAT? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would I would have thought I was having like a brain aneurysm. You probably just think you're just like, oh man, I'm like stressed out or I didn't get enough sleep or something. I'm losing it. <laughs> the LR wow. and LG being mostly mental gymnastics, I think my improvements bore fruit unencumbered by the weird vision thing, or if I would have been unencumbered by the weird vision thing. Mm. Oh no, that means, no, sorry, I, that's a bad edit by me. Unencumbered because it's not. He's saying that the LR and LG was good. So I guess the eye thing was only happening during the reading comp. Uh, That's weird. No, I think he's saying that the eye thing wasn't affecting LR and LG as much. Oh, because it's more about the mental process you go through once you have the information in your head because it's not as RC. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there is less reading on the games, but there's not really less reading on the logical reasoning. No, but. Like, you only have to, like, stay focused, maybe, or, like... Shorter bursts, yeah. Yeah, shorter bursts or well, something. Well, yeah. I mean, there's going to be some weird rationalizing and, and um, you know, false hypotheses here in this analysis. Yeah. You, you, Especially you, minus two, minus six is not that huge of a difference. Yeah, exactly. And your eye starts freaking out, and then it's really easy to just say, oh, it's because reading comprehension is so dense. It's like, well, mm, I don't know. There, there's the same number of words on the page in reading comp and logical reasoning, I think, or really close anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, I think my improved. Oh, I already said that. Would you write an addendum about this? E.g., guys, I swear I could have hit 175 the third time, but I was half blind and didn't even realize it. Best wishes to both you guys. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. I think it's, I think it's, it's just gonna, it's a tough sell. It just seems like, I think it's just gonna come across as kind of like an excuse. Uh, not that it, I mean, it seems legit, but at the same time, like, how would you make this argument? If you're gonna say, look, I swear I could have hit a 175, then you're gonna have to point to your practice test. But if you're doing 175 on your practice test leading up to the test, how is it that your your eye became it it really yeah, developed so rapidly that the last 
that it was the official test in wh- in which things started to break down, and the week before when you were taking a practice test, it hadn't broken down yet. I, and it, even if that's true, it just seems highly convenient. So, right, I I don't know. I just think it's going to be viewed with skepticism. So I would ignore the whole thing. I, One, two one seventies is awesome. It's it's great. I never. I, I just never approve of a. I could have done better on the LSAT. Yeah. The answer to that is do better on the LSAT. Yeah. And by the way, we were just talking about accommodations. Yeah. You have been diagnosed apparently with myopic macular degeneration. I am certain that you could get accommodated for that. Yep. When I say, should I say certain? I shouldn't say certain. How about I'm pretty fucking certain that you're going to be able to get accommodated <laughs> for something like that. I mean, that's you, that's a medical issue. Yeah. How, how do they not accommodate accommodate for that if they're accommodating for all these other things? They have to accommodate for that. That's exactly the type of thing that, you know, everybody feels good about accommodating for. Yeah. And when someone's completely legally blind, of course they get a Braille test and of course they get extra time. Yeah. So now you're having a vision impairment. This is weird. A doctor told you that you have this. I think you can absolutely get accommodated. I'd be shocked if you don't get like time and a half and you turn that 170 into a 178. Here's the reason I think they might not get it. Your man is because they already have a 170 on record. I don't think LSAC is even allowed to look at that. I I think that that's, I think it's probably what? illegal. No, I, no, I've, I feel like they have looked at it before. I feel like we've talked to people who said they, they did well, therefore they weren't allowed. Hmm. That sounds like it would not be a thing. I don't. I think it's illegal. It's illegal to say that they. It's got, illegal. <laughs> well, no. I mean, you think, you think this is like a pre the pre lawsuit sort of rationale? Maybe. Yes, I think that's pre lawsuit rationale. I think post lawsuit, I don't think they're allowed to do that type of shit. I think that they have to evaluate the issue and not evaluate. But you're looking at you're looking at like studies and stuff. Wouldn't well, one of the studies be an LSAT, like. That's... Yeah, but also with this guy, especially the scores, the scores happened before he came down with a sudden vision impairment called myop- myopic macular degeneration. Yeah. Anyway, um, certainly worth applying and it, worth trying. That's yeah. And if, uh, you know, or if you think you've done your, you've like really improved at the LSAT, the fact that you're willing to write an addendum saying, I swear I could have hit 175 the third time. Okay, then do it. I, I think that's a no-brainer to just do it. If you can do it, you should do it. So uh, that's my that's my vote. Apply for accommodations. See if you can get it. Even if not, it sounds like this correspondent thinks that he could have done better. Um, well, and here's the thing: is is treatment going to solve the problem? This right. Is, he's beginning treatment soon. If it does solve the problem, then maybe maybe <laughs> don't, take it. Don't in start the treatment yet. <laughs> Make sure you get accommodated. Yeah. <laughs> then get treated. Get them now. <laughs> Prospects for treatment are grim. <laughs> they are very grim. We're going to try some experimental procedures. But in the meantime, we need accommodations for December 2nd. <laughs> yeah. That would be the great. You get treatment, you get fixed, and then you you go get accommodations. Oh, man, that's glorious. Yeah. And we'd love to hear about your 180 yeah. and your $10 donation. That's a hundred dollar donation. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess it'd only be fifty since he's expecting to get one seventy five already. But we'll see about that. This is good. Anything else on that? Nah. Okay. Good luck with that. That sucks. I hope uh, the 
I think it's eyes are valuable. Um, this next one's hey delightful. Hey guys, I just wanted to thank you for helping me through the process of taking the LSAT. I ended up taking it four times because I felt I could do better, and my scores were 166, 167, 166, and I just learned that I got a 173 for the September test. Wow, that's cool. That's so awesome. That is cool. Yeah. It took me four times, but I ended up with a score that makes me very happy. Uh I have all my applications ready to turn in, and this makes me so much more confident. I can't thank you guys enough. Best, Calvin. Calvin continues. I remembered that, oh, this is, oh, yeah, Calvin donated. I remember earlier this summer I pledged to donate $10 for every point over 170 I got, so I went ahead and donated $30. Thank you, Calvin. Nathan, if you get a chance, please try please try the Edmund Fitzgerald Porter from the Great Lakes Brewing Company. They're from my neck of the woods, and it's a nice dark beer if you're into that. Are you into that? I am, and I will. Cool. I don't know where I can get it around – in Los Angeles, but uh, I'll keep an eye out for Great Lakes Brewing Company. I've heard good things about, uh, I'm assuming that's Michigan. I've heard good things about Michigan beer, so I'll check it out. Hmm. Yeah. Ben, I'd like to recommend the book, The Wisdom of Psychopaths. I don't, should I, should I take that as a compliment? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to recommend the book, The Wisdom of Psychopaths. <laughs> In other words, you might have wisdom and you're a psychopath, or yeah. maybe this is just a side note, by Kevin Dutton. In general, it's an interesting book that takes a neat look at the advent- at advantageous traits psychopaths have. I found the chapter on the Green Beret guy helpful because he talks about how he doesn't worry about things he doesn't have control over, which I struggle with, especially concerning testing. Let me know what you guys think, and thanks again. So, Calvin, quick update. I did buy that book, um, and I have started listening to it. All I've heard so far is the guy talking about how his dad was a little bit crazy, but I'll let you know what else I get from the book once I'm done. So yeah, thanks. let us know next episode. I'd love to hear what, especially, I like this, uh, not worrying about things you don't have control over. It's so important. It's so useful. Yeah. Yeah, it is useful. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, Calvin is a multiple correspondent of the show and so it's great to hear uh, a final 173 from Calvin that's awesome taking yeah. it four times there it is the, the restriction has been lifted and we now have somebody taking it four times getting six points higher than the highest score he had on record and that is a life changing six points Yeah, there is a school on Calvin's list where a 167 wasn't going to get him in and a 173 is going to get him a scholarship. Yeah. There is a school on Calvin's list where that is the truth. And <laughs> that is the truth. Well, it has to be. It has to be live. Either that or Calvin isn't applying to enough schools. Yeah, but, yeah. But there has to be a school where Calvin was on the bubble to get in and now is not only going to get in, but is going to get a scholarship. Because that's just a huge six LSAT points. Yeah. Awesome. Um, next email, I just got my score and donated $40 to your show, $10 for every point I received above my original quote dream score that my Kaplan teacher told me wouldn't be attainable. Oh, <laughs> that's strange. That's amazing. You just have a dream score. Your Kaplan teacher told you you're not going to get there. 
And then you end up scoring four points over that and donating $40 worth of beer slash book money to the Thinking Outside hmm. podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to miss your show now that I'm done with the test. Who knows? I may keep listening just for the fun of it. Thanks again. And this is another anonymous. So awesome. Yeah. This next one is uh, to you, Nathan. I held off on emailing you immediately after the September LSAT because, frankly, I was a little embarrassed by my initial email. It was excessively panicky, which, as you noted, wasn't exactly helping anything. Bottom line, I buckled down, focused on logic games for the last one and a half weeks before the test, and just got my score back. I earned a 177. I'm, I have a feeling already this this episode has been overloaded with <laughs> high LSAT scores starting with a 180 people are gonna yeah. be like fuck this show I don't want to hear about anyone else's 170 plus wham 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 score I'm out of here so I'm sorry but we'll see we, if we lose some listeners it's, that's fine it's, it's called calling the herd only the strong are gonna survive just like how the wolves can help the moose population, you know, kill the diseased ones. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great analogy. If you're, you're welcome. If you're wondering <laughs> whether you want to keep listening, just think of the wolves. Okay. So this lovely correspondent continues, which is significantly higher than anything I'd previously hit in a practice test, 169. That's Holy awesome. smokes. Yeah. Yeah, don't tell anyone that when you're applying. Thanks for the advice, and thanks for putting together such a solid podcast with Ben. It was clearly helpful. Yeah. Everybody has a plus or minus, you know, four or five points in them. And so it sounds like a couple things happened. You know, this, this it just kind of clicked at the last minute. Logic Games, this, this correspondent had sucked at the games and solved games at the last, uh, in the last week. Yeah, and um, previous high on a practice test one sixty nine, but went into the test feeling good about it, and happened to catch the upside of variance. And yeah. when you catch the upside of variance, it's like the greatest. You're the greatest of all time, and you all of a sudden now have a one seventy seven. So yeah. um, that you know the fact that everybody has that bell curve really does argue for taking the test multiple times. Exactly. Um, you might get lucky on your first, or lucky. You can't get really lucky. It's not like you're going to get, you know, 10 points lucky, but here I would say that this student probably was more like a 173, you know, expected, and then just happened to get also the upside of some luck and ends up with a 177. So you, there really is incentive to take it multiple times and you should shake off any one bad data point and you should just keep taking it and, you know, just be patient because it will happen. You you will have, you know, eventually you'll get at or above your practice test scores. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Thank you. 177. Yeah, amazing. Um, hello, Nathan and Ben. Ben and Nathan. I listen to your podcast at work by downloading previous airings, so I'm not fully caught up on all your recordings. But I do have a question about admittance into law school. As you can see, I'm emailing you from work, and I work for, for the state of Florida. While younger, I got into legal trouble, trouble and ended up becoming a convicted felon for a drug possession. I ended up completing the probation and finished my bachelor's degree in criminology with a 3.39 GPA. I have taken a previous LSAT in June, and I got a 153. 
I totally Christmas treed an entire section because my brain was fried and I anticipated it being an experimental section. Oh my god, what? Yikes. That is a dumb move. Um, stop doing that. You can't tell which section is experimental, so stop trying. You can't, you can't tell. Yeah. Um, from previous practice tests and confidence going into this test, bad semicolon, I'm sure that I can get a score in the mid to upper 160s. <clears throat> with all of this being said, is it actually feasible for me to get accepted into a law school with my flawed background and mediocre scores? I was looking at FSU's law program for my ideal choice and FAMU's for a failsafe. Is that Florida something? I don't know. I don't know what that is. I would prefer you didn't use my name in the podcast if you did plan on airing this, and I would greatly appreciate any and all advice. Thanks. And we just took the name out. It's anonymous. Christmas tree. Um, I do not know really what the deal is on felonies. Do you? I don't know either. Convicted felon? Hmm. You most likely are going to need to ask a... Well, actually, no. Call the State Bar of Florida. That is what you do. You call the State Bar of Florida and you ask them, uh, have a very candid discussion with them about whether you will be able to be admitted to the bar. Uh, Convicted felon, there is some chance that Florida is never going to admit you to the bar. You might have lost, unfortunately, your privileges there. On the other hand, they might say, yeah, absolutely no problem. You have to disclose this before you go to law school and no big deal. Yeah. You, uh, we are not lawyers and we are not your attorney and we do not provide legal advice. So you, uh, you might want to consider, uh, hiring a lawyer who has some expertise in this area, but I would certainly start with a phone call to the state bar and see what they say about the, um, that felony. Yeah. Now, as far as is it actually feasible for me to get accepted with my mediocre scores? Um, you're claiming that you can get a score in the mid to upper 160s. And if you do that, then you no longer have mediocre scores. Your 153 that you have on record is quite mediocre. You didn't even do one of these sections. And so that's, you know, if you are going to go to law school, you absolutely have to retake the LSAT. I mean, it would be... <laughs> How big well, of a mistake is... do you think that would be, Ben, <laughs> to attend oh, law huge. school with this 153? In dollar terms, I... how big of a mistake? <laughs> Hundreds. Uh, at least 100,000. <laughs> at least. But here's here's the thing. Yeah, and then you got to think about over a lifetime, right? But <laughs> yeah. here's the thing. If if he Christmas treed a legit section, I mean, that actually I don't think here is ever clarified. If that actually was a legit section, then – this 153 is actually pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty good evidence that he could definitely get it into the mid-160s. I don't yeah. know about upper 160s based on one section. People overestimate. Yeah. It's like, because let's say he's getting 20 correct per section and he only got five because he christmas treated it, right? Yeah. You would expect But that's to get... 15 points, yeah. So Not it's LSAT fi- points, but No, it's yeah. 15 questions, but 15 questions yeah. on top of a 153... It gets you above 160, but it doesn't get you like to 180. Or I'm mean, yeah, sorry, it doesn't no, get you to it, 168. 
No, no, no. It, it's going to, mm, I don't know if it, well, would it get you above 160? I mean, somewhere upper 150 is low 160, somewhere in that range. I mean, because the LSAT scale is so compressed, right? Um, we should, we can answer this question. I'm going to yeah, do I'm some. Yeah, I'm just looking it up. Well, you can do it. We're going to do some work for you here. This is amazing. Um, 153, yeah. uh, at least on this one test, that was 60 points. So if you went up 15 points from there, that would get you to 162, 161, just depending on how you look at this. So, yeah, one six, low 160s. Yeah, it's like those 15 questions at this part of the scale, it, it translates into eight LSAT points. Okay, so... Um, that's great. So you could get it. But I mean, even that is a no brainer. 100% must retake. You're just an idiot if you don't. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't until I had called the state bar because the state bar might make this whole thing moot. Mm-hmm. Um, let us Unless, know what you Unless, of course, he's out. willing to practice somewhere else that doesn't care about. Well, then call the state bar of wherever else you're thinking about going. Yeah. Um, and please write us back again and let us know what you find out because that would be a useful update as well. Yeah. Cool. Um, we already did this, huh? ABA required disclosures.org. We did. Uh, I don't know that we did the email. The email. Oh, yeah. Below that. Okay. So we'll get rid yeah. of that. All right. Uh, yeah. You want to go ahead? Sure. Hi, Ben and Nathan. I actually just discovered your podcast after feeling a bit defeated with the progress I wasn't making and the week of Kaplan prep classes that actually made my score go down. Um, as much as I yeah. despise Kaplan, I don't know that the classes necessarily made your score go That's down. Small I mean, sample, super small yeah. sample. And anyway, we see our student scores sometimes go down at the very beginning of instruction because you got all these new, you got the new voice in your head, you know, yeah. too many, all these ideas, concepts swimming around in your head. And if they haven't really registered yet, it's totally possible that your scores go down by a couple points in the first week. I mean, it's small sample and who cares but anyway you can shit yeah. on kaplan all you want <laughs> uh you guys have really helped me at, to at least keep this test in perspective and stay relaxed and confident a bit more so thank you you're welcome i'm going to bullet point my questions to prevent a wall one let's say i have a 3.02 okay i hope the 3.02 is already determined but uh but a 170 LSAT. Not yet, but hoping to by December. What would funding look like at a mid-level school like Fordham? I've been looking at the ABA 509s, but funding is a little unclear when you're a splitter. Is that the proper term? Like me, yes, it is the proper term. I'm assuming that they only offer full rides to people who are in the 75th percentile or 75th for both GPA and LSAT. Is it hopeless with this GPA? Yes, um, most likely. I mean, you'd have to look yeah. and see how many, like what percentage of the class at Fordham is getting a full ride, which yeah. you can find on the ABA 509, like we talked about uh, last episode. Yeah. But, um, and hopefully that whole discussion, you know, was helpful um, for this correspondent. But, yeah, I mean, we don't see a lot of full rides happening for people who have bad grades. There's not a lot of that going on. Not at higher-ranked schools, especially. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're talking about a school where a 3.02 is actually within, the you know, above their 25th percentile, 
then then with a, a big LSAT score, you have a lot better chances. But if, you're, if your GPA is below their 25th percentile, it's hard to see how you're going to be getting a full ride. Yeah, well, some schools, it's like the, there's only two people getting full right. rides. So right. you're like, are you that select individual? No, not yeah. with this GPA. Yeah, And remember that there are a lot of other discounts besides a full ride discount. There's plenty of people getting 75% or 50%, and um, that's real money. So, <laughs> Yeah. It's a real discount. <laughs> yeah, it is. Two, given the stats above, by the way, I, I want to pause on these stats. Uh, we don't know who, who is this? Michelle? Team Michelle. We don't know, yeah, we don't know what score you started with. And so I, I only just get a little bit nervous here because when she says, let's say I have a 3.02, but a 170. Um, are you scoring like in the low 150s, high 150s, low 160s? Yeah. Like where are you right now? I feel like so many people started this process and they're like in the mid 140s and they're like, well, let's hope I get a one – assuming I get a 170 by test date, what do you think are my chances here or there? I'm like, well, hold on. I don't, I don't know if that's super likely – by you know in the next two months or yeah. month and a half so uh and that's putting it mildly so uh, hopefully these stats are are reasonable not, in any case not to mention it's all a bit masturbatory anyway i mean this is not it's all just speculation and what you really should be doing is uh, studying for the lsat what what good does all did of you this just say what i think you said masturbatory yes i did because <laughs> that's that's what it is I mean, uh, yeah, it is, unfortunately. It, so, I mean, you know, thank you for writing, but you need to do your work. And, you know, you're shooting for that 170, but it's not real yet. And December 2nd is right around the corner. And people spend way too much time looking at, you know, um, calculating their chances. Well, your chances change dramatically with one more LSAT point. Mm-hmm. So go get that one more LSAT point and do a little less of the speculation. I mean, once you have a score on record or, you know, or once your practice test scores are consistently in a certain area, you could start doing a little bit of looking to figure out a list of schools that you might apply to. Yeah. But you also have three weeks after the LSAT until scores come out. And, you know, after the LSAT is a really good time to be doing this kind of, uh, yeah, jerking off. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be too insulting, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I mean that, and I, I, <laughs> I hope you take that in the spirit in which it's intended, which is love. And um, you always say yeah. that. <laughs> I do. I can say whatever I want because the spirit was right. <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, yeah. truth is my defense. Uh, yeah, you got to be. It's this is kind of a time waster, and I think it can actually yeah. be destructive because if you're if you start getting in your head and thinking to yourself, I have to get X score or else it's not possible to go to law school, yada, 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 yeah. then you end up shooting for the score as opposed to just shooting for your best performance yeah. uh, or your you know, your best performance given <laughs> where you're at yeah. in any case. we got to um, skip this second paragraph. Peace Corps, Masters, another Masters, teacher for five years, that's great. Yeah. Who cares? Everybody has lots of soft factors. They're good. Those are good ones. They're great. But that's not going to make any difference compared to LSAT and GPA. So 
LSAT's the one thing you can change. So change the LSAT. Yeah. Um, so that and that's what she's asking, right? Yeah. So does this make me better? Does it make me? Yes, on the margins, it makes you a better candidate. But yeah. Okay. Three. Number three. Yeah. As I discovered your podcast somewhat later into my studying, I've spent a decent amount of time delving into the latest Kaplan book. I do find some things helpful, like ways of thinking about formal logic and some mm. of their explanations do make sense, but I also mm. haven't seen a ton of improvement in scores, so I'm not sure what to do. Do I throw the book aside and look somewhere else entirely? Flip through and just practice the LSAT problems? I'm not relying on Kaplan entirely. I have other books and a ridiculous amount of prep tests that I'm working through, but I'm not sure if Kaplan is worth the time. Yeah, well, what about our two free classes? See how that goes for you and see what that does in terms of helping you think about the problems you're working on. Yeah, and basically any other resources besides the Kaplan stuff. I mean, Ben always points out you can do the real LSAT questions that are in there. So to the extent that there are LSAT questions and... Um, tests, you know, you could use those, but you you shouldn't read their explanations. You should not read their their substantive um, strategies. Like you think that it is helping you. <laughs> I do find some things helpful, like ways of thinking about formal logic. Um, I'm very skeptical. I, I think you think it makes sense, maybe, but I kind of don't know that it actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. I've just seen so much bad stuff, so I'm I'm worried about all of the all of the wrong ideas that you're going to be getting when you're using that book. And if you've got all these other resources, I definitely think you should use almost anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for keeping us all calm and assuring me that I do in fact want to go to law. What? (laughs) And assuring me that I do in fact want to go to law school. Of course. If we can't talk you out of it, then you should do it. Yeah. Then this is the right choice for you. Yes. I actually was feeling a little uncertain before I found your podcast, but even through your cynicism and warnings, I still feel pretty determined, which is a calming feeling. Yes, exactly. We are voices of calm and reassurance. (laughs) Calm Calm and reason. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, T. Michelle, for writing in. Beautiful. Um. Hi, Nathan and Ben. If you read this on the show, please don't use my name. Thanks. I took the September test today in Bangkok. It went horribly, and I have already canceled my score. I became very anxious as the test began and couldn't think clearly. I tried to calm down, take deep breaths, but nothing helped. Then, during Section 2, Games, I froze on the second game and couldn't finish the section. Knowing that the points I'd already lost in the first two sections were enough to kill my score, I decided I would cancel my score and finished the test relatively calmly. I've never experienced test anxiety before in my life, and I wasn't expecting to today. Over five months, I've done 20-plus full-timed tests and many-timed sections using a Proctor app. I have consistently scored in the 170s. I attribute my anxiety today to a combo of a stressful morning... Uh, Uber driver drove in circles for 30 minutes looking for the test site and got yelled at by Thai military men and the pressure I've put on myself to do well on this test. I want to apply to schools this cycle, but I also don't want to apply more than once. I have a 4.0 and a work, a year of work experience for a startup in Vietnam. I want to go to Harvard, Stanford, or Yale. Should I? Retake in December and apply in late December, early January? 
I, I worry about applying this late in the cycle and about a repeat of today's disaster if I'm stressed about the December test being the last chance for applying this cycle. Or wait until I return to the U.S. next year, retake as many times as necessary, and apply early next cycle. Thanks a lot. And we've got name redacted here. Well, if Bangkok, that's what we'll call him, I guess, Bangkok can do well or do well on practice tests leading up to the December LSAT, I don't see any downside in taking it. Because yeah. if it goes well, then you can apply the cycle. If it doesn't, then resort to plan option two and come back to the U.S. and retake as many times as necessary and apply early next cycle. There's just no – I don't see any downside in trying. Yeah, it almost looks like they're wanting permission to procrastinate. Yeah. You know, like uh, people love to just kind of they, – they, they love to just be like, well, it's going to be too late this cycle, so I'll just take it next year. And then – but wait, what? You've been already studying. You've got 170s on record in your practice test scores. Why would you stretch this out any longer than need be? Yeah. It, this December test does not have to be your, quote, last chance. I mean, okay, it is your last chance for applying this cycle, but so what? It's also your first – uh, your second chance for applying very early next cycle yep. simultaneously. So it is not your last chance at the LSAT. It's just one more LSAT administration. And mm. yeah, the, the reality is you have to just embrace it. If you don't get the score you want this time, then you're going to law school next cycle. But the, the other, the other choice is to just arbitrarily choose in advance that you're not going to go until next cycle. And I just don't see what benefit people get from that. Yeah. I think you take it now, it's take it now regardless. I mean, right? Because even if you were going to only apply next cycle, you should still take this December LSAT. Yeah, you're already scoring in the 170s. And you know, yeah, you're taking you're scoring in the 170s, you keep the momentum going. Keep studying right now until December 2nd or whatever the date is. I don't know if it's the same date in Bangkok. Um, but take it again and you know, uh, arrive at the testing center earlier. So that you yeah. can, you know, hop out of the Uber and not get yelled at by the military police. Yeah. Um, but that's a bummer. I mean, shit happens. That's the other thing. It's like, okay, it was a stressful morning. Yeah, what? Shit happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as the pressure you've put on yourself to do well on this test, I mean, hopefully, maybe you'll feel that less next time because you've already done it once. Mm -hmm. um, you really need to not cancel your score. Yeah. Your plan needs to be going in, you know, I'm not canceling my score. Yeah. Just do your best. I mean, you say yourself that you, once you decided to cancel, then you finished the test without stress. Eh. Why don't you decide that it just isn't the be all end all of your life, that it's just one more data point. It's one more practice test. Mm -hmm. The December test is prep test 83. So. Yep. It's just, that's all it is. It's prep test 83 and, and you need to keep your score though this time so that you can move forward from that. Yeah. Uh, if, if you got PTs as good as you say, then yeah, just go, go do your best. Let, let the chips fall where they may get your score back and move forward from there. I agree. Okay. Well, thanks. Um, is that enough for today? Yeah, I think we could probably leave it there. Cool. Sorry for all those we haven't gotten to yet. We will eventually. 
Maybe. Yeah, we made it halfway again. We made it halfway through our backlog. So, well, we know that we have plenty of stuff to talk about next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. You can email the show. Help at thinkinglsat.com. We appreciate well-written, concise emails. We love bullet points. We hate walls of text. Um, and we will mercilessly mock your grammar and punctuation. So, you know, you could review it once before you send it out. <laughs> to help at thinkinglsat.com. You could email Ben directly, ben at strategyprep.com, if you want to talk about how much of a dick I am. Um, <laughs> you can email me directly, nathan at foxlsat.com. If uh, you want to get a cocktail recommendation. Um, and I guess that is it. Yeah. And by the way, I would add two things. One, um, if you send me an email complaining about Nathan, I only forward about half of them. So <laughs> I'll try to keep it confidential. <laughs> and the other thing is that a concise email by the way, does not mean that it is devoid of information. You can convey information very quickly, including like where you're practice testing and you know what your GPA is in the matter in a matter of like three words. And oftentimes, I feel like we're answering questions and we have like this gaping hole in terms of like, well, where is this person and what does this even mean? You know, so. Um, Bullet points are good. Data is good. You can shorten it. You don't need to write, you know, recently I have been achieving practice test scores that fluctuate between a low of 170 and a high on occasion of 176. It's like you could also put PTs 170 to 176. Boom. Yeah. And you don't, (laughs) if you put on the next, on the next line, 3.86, we will know what that is. Oh my god. People are going to hate us so much. (laughs) (laughs) What? It's how to convey information. Anyways, so thank you everyone. We'll talk to you next time.